Hey guys, my name is Eli Feiner and this is Stop Building, where I do my best to get founders to set aside their ID and talk to some potential users. Yes, hi Christian. Now you can introduce yourself. Hi Eli, yeah, thank you. Well, um, to introduce myself, basically I have uh, been working for many years as engineer, um, worked at, at Nokia, if you remember, the mobile phones. Uh, don't know if anybody still uses those. But, oh, uh, yeah. I had I had those brick phones. I had like three or four of them for sure. I'm old enough to remember. I, Great phones. I joined back right after the iPhone came, and I was oh. in uh, in the a decline. team building some yeah, building some applications. I think for the N, we had those Symbian phones N9. I think was it N9. Mm -hmm. The or full keyboard ones. Whatever. I had I had one I had those with Linux and keyboard, and they, they had like N8 was the last Symbian, and I had the N97 Mini, whatever was the the last Symbian with keyboard. Uh, it was a disaster, but yeah. Um, yes, it was. I had one too. It was fun. Well, you know, well, back in the fun day, the, back in the day, the the fact that you could type like a full thing. I was I was I I had a a ninety seven and I was traveling, uh, in Europe actually, uh, um, in, like I did the Tour de Mont Blanc, uh, in France, and, and I was learning French. I was trying kind of to figure French out, and I had a dictionary, uh, which for the time was like oh that like today it's you know you point to you point it at something and it just translates but back in the yeah. day even being able to translate a word with your phone was uh was quite amazing yeah we've we've come a long way hasn't been that yeah. long it's like maybe i don't know 13 14 years 15 I, years maybe i joined nokia i joined nokia in 2010 so it's like right. 13 years yeah yeah um and that didn't really last long. So after a year and a half or so, they shut down that part, at least the, the office where I've been. That was in Romania. And then I moved to Berlin 2011 uh, in, in the fall. And I moved to a different part of Nokia that was doing this mapping software. And uh, they're still running things. And if you buy a car, chances are they're uh, navigation in the car comes from from them it's called here technologies nowadays it came oh from a, really because i i have that on my phone it's the kind of the offline map thing uh yeah it's pretty cool actually and that's nokia it used to be navtech and then nokia bought it just to put it on the phones as a as a differentiator from the iphone at the time because they were trying to compete with the iphone um, good luck with that <laughs> and yeah and uh, eventually they got to windows phone and so on so but but basically they um yeah they were trying with this map software and uh basically i was in charge of the um, infrastructure at some point of this website uh, companion of that mobile app and we were actually working very closely with the team who builds that mobile app with a map. Uh, here we go. It's now. It's now they call nowadays called. Um, and yeah, basically that was uh, 
doing those this in infrastructure stuff. And um, at some point we, we started to use AWS and I got pretty deep and I liked it a lot when it came to like what you can do with it and soon start to build things for AWS. And uh, there was a, at some point um, we started, so Nokia was trying also to sell this part of the business after they sold the mobile phones to Microsoft. They wanted to sell this and they eventually sold it to the German car makers. So then uh, when they were about to sell it, there was this effort of cost optimization. So everybody was like tasked to, to look into their costs and see how they can make it more, more cost efficient and, and so on. So I started that around, it was around 2014, 15. And that's kind of how I first discovered this thing called spot instances in AWS. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically oh, it's, it's capacity that nobody uses at the moment and you just can purchase it as at a pretty steep discount was at the time. So it could be up to 90%. It, it, it can disappear uh, without notice, right? The, the, the whole point yeah. is like, you get it, but you—it's not guaranteed to run. It's like good for uh, for CI for stuff like that that you don't actually need to right. uh, any guarantees around. Yeah, so we set this up in one of our dev environments. It was actually the Windows Selenium cluster, which was using. We were using that to hit the website, the mapping application website, and run our tests against it. Yeah. Oh, right. So, but, so exactly the kind of pipeline I had in mind. Because CI yeah. is, so is what it was a dev environment for sure. We didn't run the production on uh, at the time with this, um, and then after a few I don't know weeks months, it just went away. The entire capacity was lost, and the thing went down. And we kind of reverted back to on demand, and that was kind of where I I started to think about what I could do to make it more uh, more reliable. And then I joined this meetup. I was very active in the Berlin meetup scene. And I'm still, at the moment, we had just started this AWS meetup in Berlin uh, at this company. So we were the founders. My colleagues were the founders from, of this meetup. And I joined the first few meetups. And there was this meetup. And at the end of it, somebody mentioned that there are some new API calls for auto-scaling groups. And you could just run attach-detach actions. And what if somebody would run an, a spot instance and attach it to an existing group and detach the instance from the group. And basically, I don't know who got the idea, but I just went home and started to build this. I tested it manually first, and then I built automation for this. So basically you have, and, you have in the group, you have a permanent instance, and then you kind of have a rotating spot instances to add uh, capacity. But you never completely run out of um, of servers in the group, yeah. right? That's basically that's that it. was the idea. Like you, you would have uh, the group remains as on demand, so you don't change the group configuration. And then, if there is capacity for spot, there is this cron job. I mean, it was just a cron job at the time, written in Lambda. Um, it's a long story, but I decided to write it in Lambda just so I learned Lambda and, and using the Go programming language just so I learned the Go programming language. And I released it as open source around 2016. 
because at the time there was really like the integration, the native integration from AWS was pretty poor. You could just define a single instance type in the group. And if that happened to have no capacity, you were like dead in the water. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I did with this cron job was I would uh, provision the capacity and iterate over all the available instance types um, in case there was no capacity for the first, I would try with the second and so on. And with all the instance types available, you would always pretty much get something. Um, I mean, we had like a limit between the size of the initial instance and uh, not more expensive than the initial instance cost. Mm -hmm. So there was but like you a can, window you can of go, compatibility. You can go lower though, yeah. Cheaper, yeah. cheaper but, and flimsier. <laughs> yeah, Neat. so you got this, uh, this replacement logic happening in your account and all your capacity would become much cheaper. And in case it's broken, um, like in case there's no capacity, uh, you, the group will spin up something from the launch configuration. Um, and this apparently was pretty, worked out pretty well. And a lot of people started to use it. I started to get first few contributions to the project. I mean, I released it as open source under MIT license. And I didn't really care about making money out of it. I was happily employed at, um, they had already started, they had already sold that part. Um, the here technologies, it was sold. I was happily employed there. And then next year, after we got some nice growth in the open source project, yeah, I, I see this startup from the US who somehow built a very similar product. And uh, it really turned out they took my open source code and, uh, and built a product around it. And then I was like, okay, maybe I can try to monetize this. Um, I relicensed the code from MIT to whatever, OSL3, I think. And um, basically I, I kept uh, working on open source, but I, I tried to monetize it as, as maybe open source support. Um, it was kind of still as a side thing next to my employment. So it was like, yeah, I, I had a few hundred bucks coming from people and I started to sell um, um, binaries that I, I had tested. So that was my monetization. I just sell something it didn't really got much money because people were just running the open source for free. Why would you pay for something? But yeah, the, the testing part, there were a few, a few dozens, like a dozen or so people who, who got to pay for it. Um, I got around, I think it was 500 bucks at the peak. Um, but then I was like, okay, I, I, I wanted to, to go full time on this, but didn't get any traction. I mean, not, not enough traction. I didn't really do any marketing for it. And was like, yeah, I kind of gave up on, on monetization. And then I get yeah, this it sounds job like it, from... it sounds like um, the, um, your open source project took off on its own. It's like, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I talked to a lot of founders. Things taking off by themselves is everybody's dream. <laughs> It, it, mm -hmm. it is extremely rare for that to happen, that things just kind of magically by themselves, even to the extent uh, that you have, which is like a $500 uh, monthly income uh, from a project that you didn't do any marketing with is 
is quite significant yeah. because I but like the, I've 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 had um, <laughs> you know plenty of opportunities working with people for months uh, to get to hundred dollars MRR uh, and a lot of sweat, blood, and and tears uh, to to yeah. get there in marketing, right? Not in building. So that's that's really cool. I mean, the the story is a bit longer. So when I started, I put it on Patreon. And I, ha I had this guy who gave me for, for like half a year, five bucks a month. And then I was like, okay, maybe yeah. I can start, I can start to do something more. And I offered the stable builds and that's kind of when it, it kind of took off and it went from five to 500 in a few months, but then it kind of stalled at 500. It just stalled and whatever I did, I couldn't get it any further. And it turned out that AWS had started to improve on the on the integration themselves um mm. but that's kind of at roughly at the time when i joined aws because i got this job offer after i failed to increase it further i was like okay i'll i got a job offer and i joined and I, it was completely different doing um, like security controls for banks um but then in aws a lot of people um knew me apparently i was uh, i was well known within the spot service team and a lot of people from there contacted me and got me in, in conversations with customers and with uh, the service team like how to improve the service and so on so oh, I was interesting already... from from amazon so I... itself yeah yeah i huh. i joined i joined oh, and you... then they kind of oh you joined so you you got a job offer from aws from from amazon yeah yeah and did you get the job offer because of your open source work? Was that related no, no, in any no. way or was it, that like random? It was random. It was in a different part of the company that was just doing uh, security for banks, pretty much. Setting oh, up the got bank. you. I thought it was a different company. Oh, cloud. wow. Yeah. Very, very uh, serendipitous. Yeah, but then, then I switched. After about a year in that role, I switched to the service, to the spot uh, service team. And they got much more like deeper into this part as a, as within AWS. So I got like um, to see how they improved the service um, afterwards. I mean, for, for the first year, I didn't really do much on this application. And even afterwards, I kind of, it kind of became a conflict of interest situation for a while. And I stopped any marketing and stopped working on it, on, on building. Um, so basically that was kind of, what uh, what got me like kind of to pretty much halt everything but i i, I had those 500 bucks people um like a few people giving giving me money i just couldn't promote it any further and it yeah it kept running for for two more years um until i left aws so basically i was uh, at AWS, I was specially solution architect for for Spot, and then I got to cover also this Graviton CPU. So I was like the the kind of the main technical person for these things in Germany, but for a while also across EMEA until we hired some more people. And yeah, that was kind of my role there. I just helped people run um, and get Spot uh, reliably um, from like people from the biggest customers we had. Um, yeah, and then when I when I was in that role, I, I really realized how much bigger my my software adoption had been, 
I mean, I cannot give any numbers, but it was like a significant percentage of all the, the total spot capacity had been at the time uh, launched with my tool, with my little open source tool. Um, and uh, right, so you didn't, yeah. you didn't you didn't track you didn't know like the only thing you can do in GitHub you get some stars you get some forks and that gives you an, a kind of a a rough estimate but the actual usage might be ten times higher or a hundred times higher and you wouldn't know. Yeah, it was more than I mean I cannot give give actual numbers but it was a, a significant percentage of the total spot capacity non negligible. Um, wow. At the time, and one of the top whatever top three or so customers was using this. Um, they appeared on stage at, at this reInvent conference, which is running right now yeah, this yeah. year. But back in one of those years, they appeared on stage and they said how, how quickly they adopted this technology, but they were not allowed to mention the tool that they used. And apparently they used my tool. Um, so yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a missed uh, a missed marketing opportunity, <laughs> right? Um, why why couldn't had... why couldn't they why couldn't they mention the tool they were using? I mean, because it it was not supposed to be promoted on stage as non like a, a non AWS product or something like that. I don't know. And right before I joined AWS, I actually had um, had this thing. Um, yeah, I, I had a, a, a chat with uh, with um, one of these um, the main uh, podcasts in AWS. Uh, I don't know if you know Corey Quinn, and I was about to sh to show up in his podcast, um, and it just was postponed until after I had joined AWS. And, and then, then after you could... I joined, I couldn't join because I didn't get approval from PR and it was like, really? Yeah. So that was another missed marketing thing. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it was interesting times. And uh, so basically after a few years in that role, I was like, okay, I saw the, the economy going down last year already. And I was like, okay, now, Maybe it's another good time to, for me to give this another try. And I left AWS and for the next six months or so, I continued working on this, on this software. Um, surprisingly, many of those people who had paid for it from before I joined AWS, they, they remained paying users um, throughout all that time, like three years. So it was really sticky when it comes to you, like um, user base. And I thought, yeah, I, I, I quit and now it will be very quick for me to ramp it up. Um, and I did have some growth. I mean, I, I spent the next half a year trying to kind of grow it and improve it and, and sell it and so on. Um, and basically it, uh, yeah, it, it grew, but still not, not enough to cover my expenses. And then this year in uh, April, May, there was a, a huge increase in the spot prices. And oh, wow. uh, especially in one of the regions. And the, the first three of my, my biggest users 
completely switched away from spot and adopted um, the other mechanism, savings plans to optimize the costs. So then I, I, I lost like all my revenue growth pretty much in the next, in these six months, just completely was, uh, was, uh, so you was left, lost. you left your AW, you left, I'm sorry, you left your AWS job, uh, looking at your revenue thinking, Oh, this is really sticky. I'd be able to grow it. And then, yeah. and then over the next few months, it actually shrinked. It, it grew for a while and then it completely cut in half. Like that, suddenly. That within a that few sucks. weeks because you are well you are in in a way competing with with AWS right they they have their own way to offer so they they they're amortizing the costs right they're bringing the spot cost up and you mentioned they have the savings plan which is like take some well, of the benefit it's, away it's not it's not like direct competition so they they do have a product that they improved this integration with auto scaling groups so they added um, like uh, like multiple instance type support sometime throughout my employment there. So I I saw that happening and I was like, okay. Um, I mean, I already had the same. And then after I left, I, I did a few more improvements, making it even more reliable than the initial groups that you have. But uh, yeah, that was the kind of the thing. What what happened was this price increase was just because so many people now are doing cost optimization and they started, many of them, they started to, to use spot instances and the spot instances are uh, a marketplace. So basically when people use more of it, uh, the demand increases, the supply and then is the kind price of goes the same. Up. Yeah. So the price goes up, yeah. So that's kind of what happened. The price went up naturally because of more people just using this. Which and is also a natural like, consequence of, of your project, right? Like because it's one well, of the one of the ways people are using spot instances is using your project, which increases the, the usage and then it increases the price, which also makes it harder to uh to yeah. cost optimize using that that approach. Yeah, but then it's not just, I'm, I'm not the only way to do this. So there are many other alternative projects doing this. I mean, not necessarily open source, but like competitor products, um, commercial ones, plus the AWS native offering. And then also AWS offers something recently uh, for Kubernetes users. Um, which also ate a bit of my customer base. So some of my customers who use Kubernetes, a couple of them right. switched to that one because it's like natively integrated in Kubernetes. Um, so, I mean, I'm not competing with that. And that's also open source uh, from AWS, but I'm kind of um, in the auto scaling group space. I'm like competing with the, with the native offering and like a bit enhancing the way you adopt it. You can adopt it uh, with less effort. And uh, it's also more reliable when it comes to like loss capacity. When the capacity goes away, I do failover to on demand and also with diversification for that, as I do with diversification for spot. And there's also like this um, sorting of instance types 
by generation. So I, I give you a newer instance type than, um, than what you could get. But yeah, but that's kind of the, the so it's like, yeah, it's let's, no longer, let's, uh, yeah. let's, um, let's switch to the marketing bits and, yeah. and what's, um, because you did talk a little bit about what's going on and you had early on, you, it was an arbitrage there. There was a cheap thing that nobody was using and it was cheap and bad and you made it cheap and bad. You made it slightly, slightly more expensive and much much better and over time that uh, that gap was closed by by aws by other competitors like the um basically it's the the business opportunity shrunk over time because 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 yeah. things have like other people have uh adopted to this and aws has adopted to this so where does this leave you today with your business and what what the challenges yeah. right now? Well, so basically, what what I did afterwards, after I I, I kind of killed by this price increase. I mean, not I don't blame it, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's kind of my my fault of not not being able to to predict that this would happen. So after that, I was like, okay, what do I do now? I hope I have all these skills on cost optimization, um, and what I did, I just started to to ask people if they are interested in in um, like uh, getting help on optimizing their costs. So from from uh, May onwards, I started to to get companies who yeah running in the cloud, and I'm like helping them looking at their cloud infrastructure, um, trying to uh, to reduce their costs. And yeah, throughout the summer, I had a few of these engagements, and enough to see like patterns in their accounts. Um, basically my model is entirely based on, on savings. So the more money I can save them, the more money I get. Um, you got you, 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 um, you take a percentage of the savings, something like that. Yeah. So basically the way it works is I, I go to their account and I see, okay, we start from <laughs> this amount of money per month. And then let's see how much we can decrease. And uh, every month until they, we get diminishing returns, I charge half of the savings each month. So, but mm -hmm. this month would be like maybe um, first month could be, let's say I, I save them 5K. We do 50-50 on that. Second month, maybe I can save two more K. So we do 50-50 on the five and two more. So it's like incremental. And then mm -hmm. at some point we stop. Um, yeah, we can stop like two, three months. We, we, I mean, we don't, don't really go further, at least not so far from the engagements I had. But then I also charge three more months at 50% just to capture a little bit of this like tail of savings that they will get forever. Um, so that's kind of my, my billing model so far. Just uh, charging for the it's duration a nice, of it's the work. It's a nice model. It's a little, uh, a little complicated to explain, maybe like compared to yeah. this is going to cost you three thousand dollars and that's it, or, or something like that, or it's uh, um, or it's fifty percent of the savings for six months. Um, um, it's 
kind of the same. It's kind of the same. It's yeah, no, I'm just I'm just saying, like when you make an offer, like when you write out a contract where you talk to a person and you you're trying to close a sale, um, if it's like, look, this is like you pay nothing up front, or maybe you know you pay a little bit of a commitment fee, and then it's fifty percent of the of whatever I'm able to save uh, on your account for six months, um, mm -hmm. and that's it. That's like a lot easier. And it's yeah. based on your knowledge on when do things typically stop um, mm -hmm. improving. Yeah, that's right? actually so good. I will, I will, I will improve my offer based on this. Thank you. Yeah, because if you, if you're like, well, it usually takes about three months until I can't improve any longer, and I want three extra months months afterwards. Well, this is a six months contract. That's it. And then you, mm -hmm. they can predict the costs, right? They're like, well, if we spend, uh, if we spend, let's say, I don't know, 20 K a month on AWS and we expect you, or you tell them, listen, I usually can take it down 50%. And 50% of that is something they're going to pay you. Well, it's the, you know, it's $2,500 uh, times six, which is something you can put in your budget something mm -hmm. they can put in their budgets like okay we can like yeah. this makes sense and it's something you can put in your budget is like okay i have some predictability in how this business works in terms of cash flow that's actually good um i was actually i, I focused on startups so far so especially startups who are running out of the free credits um, <laughs> because that's kind of when they get get to see the the first bills, it's like a, a bit of a shock for them. And uh, oh, at that point, that's so awesome because it, it is a running out of free credits is like, it's a specific point in time. There's urgency there. So, you know, from a marketing or sales perspective, look, look if you're going to run out of free credits in three months, then suddenly you're going to have like a 10 or $20,000 bill on your hands. You need to hire me now because this takes time. That's a really, yeah. That's a really cool uh, way to frame it. Yeah, it, the problem is they don't really have money, so they're like they're like desperate for for the savings. Um, mm. But yeah, they they're a bit reluctant to to pay money. Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been actually trying to to figure out ways. I mean, yeah, it's always it's always hard to get money from the poor, but uh, yes, but yeah, it's, really it's bad idea. What I what I, what I do. Uh, is getting this from from these startups, helping them reduce their costs. And, um, um, I gotta ask though, why startups? Like, there's no reason. Because there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to work on accounts that spend a million dollars a month on AWS. Yeah, for sure. It's just that if you look at those, I did. I didn't really have the luxury to wait half a year to close an enterprise deal. Um, so I was like, okay, I, I did something quick and startups are hungry and are, 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 are faster like on, yeah. Yeah. And like the next day, I mean, the account doing things and uh, yeah, that's kind yeah. of my, my idea was to, to speed up the, the closing time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it has advantages and disadvantages. Um, the, the, the advantage of the enterprise would be that they are, they have much deeper pockets, um, and then, but that they will, they will take much longer to, to close. So the deal wait a second, like, this, this, this is really interesting because your main offer 
is to reduce costs. Reducing costs is really valuable when you're spending money. Reducing costs is not as valuable when you're not spending money, but only expect to start spending money. So if a company is spending 10, 20, $50,000 a month, and you say, I'm going to save you 50% 50 of that over like six months, and you're going to pay me back 25, but then the rest of the savings is yours, that's a no-brainer deal because they only make money or save money on it. Like even after paying you, even throughout the six months, they are still saving money. Like there's no, yeah, there is zero out of pocket expense. They're only saving money. It's like it's a beautiful offer. Um, and for companies that are approaching the end of their free credits, they actually need to take some money out of pocket and pay you, which is not a no brainer. So in mm -hmm. the in the space between these companies, these startups who have just started who have just started up and are still using the free credits, and like you say, the enterprise where a sales cycle takes six months or a year, which by the way, in this kind of thing, I don't think it should take that long. Savings is you just need to to um, you just need to tweak it to the end of quarter. <laughs> So when they are aware of their expenses and not and not just in the middle somewhere, uh, actually December could be a really nice sales month for you <laughs> for that reason, because that's when that's when people tally up all of their expenses. Like oh my god, we spent like uh, a million and a half on AWS this this uh, year, which is which is a lot, but it's still not a huge company, right? So like a startup that's not six months uh, that hasn't been operating for six months, but has operating for like two years may have tens or sometimes hundreds of thousands of expenses a month on AWS, yeah. depending on how, how they've grown their customer base. And sometimes not even that. Sometimes people pay that, you know, for scale of free products out of their uh, VC funds, um, which is another yeah. angle because they are running out of money, right? They're not making that money. They're running out of it. So for them, a cost savings thing is very similar to the logic of running out of free credits because VC money is equivalent mm -hmm. to free credits. Once you run out, you need to raise more. That takes six months. Uh, founders can't do anything and so on and so forth. Uh, so cost savings um, is kind of important in that uh, stage too. And if they are paying a lot of money on a monthly basis, then your offer becomes that much more compelling yeah i think the the challenge is with uh with the startups who have a ton of vc money they don't really care about the costs um like un, un, until they are almost run out of that money so it's like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they have to exactly be, to be at a, at a position that everything kind of aligns where like they, it also it, they it also sometimes happens when they when um when a startup hires like a CFO or or you know so, someone who actually looks at the money because early on it's just two yeah. two, two guys build, writing code then they get some engineers and maybe they get uh you know uh, 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 um some other kind of help uh whatever uh you know QA support uh DevOps. And at some point, it's like, oh, okay, we have a lot of money flowing in and flowing out, and we have no idea what's going on here. We need a CFO or you know, part-time CFO. And then the money guy comes in, is like, oh my, guys, you're 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 nuts. 
we need to yeah. we need to start cutting costs here um and so just from like an outreach perspective a cfo that joined the startup recently like within the last six months this is like a thing you can uh this is a query you can do on linkedin right you can just go into mm -hmm. it and say oh i'm looking for cfos uh, who joined a, a company in the last six months and the company is under 200 employees or something like that. Uh, and the sector yeah. is tech, right? It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, sounds, because, sounds like the plan. Yeah, right? Because like, and and the interesting thing is because you're like on the technical side of things, the, 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 the natural approach is to reach out to the technical people in the company. Uh, but from a business perspective, you're a cost savings guy, which by the way is really yeah. cool. Cause you like for almost 40 minutes, you talked about the technical details of how you do this. But when you start, it's like, I do cost saving for AWS. And I find this really awesome because you're obviously a very deep tech guy, but you have enough mm -hmm. kind of business clarity to know that you should not be talking about that, but you should be talking about money. So, and if you're talking yeah. about money, the person you need to be talking about money is the person who is in charge of the money. So it could be the CEO, but the specific situation where a company has a, a CFO join is a point in time where they start looking at expenses. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's easier to track, as you said, with such a query. There's not such easy to track. Maybe there is, but maybe not that I know of, of, of when did they get these free credits. So I could go yeah, and talk exactly. to the CEO. Exactly. Unless CEO. you have unless you have contacts in uh at AWS, and you can get like uh, uh, a list. No. <laughs> you can. <laughs> no, no, no. Even if I had, I wouldn't use that. It's it's not. But yeah. Anyway, um, interesting. Yeah, um, I wanted to mention a bit about the enterprise world because there, mm -hmm. I think it's worth a bit talking about why I'm not talking to those people. I actually, had a had a, a conversation with one of them. And when I told them that I'm charging based on savings, they were kind of intrigued because they just expect people um, billing hourly or daily rates. And then it somehow just fizzled out and they kind of ghosted me afterwards. I don't know what, what, going, what went on. Um, could be that they just had some approval challenges or whatever, but they just stopped answering. And uh, yeah, that sometimes was companies sometimes companies disappear, people get fired. Like it's not, you can't judge yeah. based on a single instance. But the but, fact that they had an expectation to pay you hourly or daily, and your model was based on results, um, I really think you should have little trouble to sell to enterprise as well. Because of this, it's it's completed. Like there is no approval cycle for cost savings. <laughs> it's yeah. not, but like they don't need the to. Is, they don't need to allocate budget for that. They're going to be freeing up budget from the same department that you're going to be paid by. Therefore, there's no new money. Right. 
No, it's actually the, the problem is these these uh, are different cost centers in an enterprise. So you have the, the cost center of the cloud people who pay the cloud. And then there is the HR cost center. Basically. Oh, you're not HR. You just need to but, frame yourself as a cloud service. You need, okay. to, you need to go into the same budget line where they pay for cloud services. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your okay. the name of your company should be uh, something something cloud services. Uh, so you, they can put it in the budget under that. It's like, oh, there is AWS and there is something and something cloud optimization services, and it's just a it's just a thing that is part of their cloud costs. Because if you it's get the into the yeah. if you get into the HR costs, and yeah, they need to pay you hourly or monthly, but you don't charge that. You're mm -hmm. like you're like a bill of of the thing. So actually, it it's it's exactly like that for the marketplace. So when you put things on the AWS marketplace, um, it shows on the AWS bill. Exactly. Wait a second. Can you so put your service your service on the AWS marketplace? I think I could. I tried, but nobody seemed interested. No, that's not. I don't mean. I don't mean that people would buy it off the marketplace. I mean, from a building and budgeting perspective, imagine you're talking to an enterprise um, customer and you say, "No, it's just a line in your AWS bill. You just install this uh, this thing, which is just the front end. I'm doing the work manually, but uh, or you don't even have to tell them that, uh, and that's it. It just appears on your AWS bill. Nothing happens financially except that your costs drop. That's it." Mm -hmm. There's no, so you don't need any approval. You basically don't even need to talk to any decision-making people, uh, any kind of money decision-making people at the company. You can, you can have that agreement with like a low level infrastructure team lead. That's it. Like you don't need to go yeah. higher. Yeah. yeah. When, when I was in touch with them, at some point they asked me, um, how much will it cost? So it's like, yeah, it I doesn't tell them any numbers. Yeah, but if you but, if yeah. if you combine the ideas that we talked about, you know, it's going to be fifty percent for six months, out of which uh, fifty percent of the savings, which usually is about a quarter of your total cost or whatever the the actual numbers are, is going to be for six months. It's just you you just install an AWS app from the marketplace. I do the work. Nothing happens. <laughs> The only thing mm -hmm. that happens is your costs get reduced. You don't need budget for that. You don't need approval for that. You don't need you don't need anything for that. Okay. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to take. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to take uh, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, projects. You know, and then it becomes it, then it becomes a completely different problem. You need you need you probably need to train more people to do that, um, so you can scale. But yeah, actually, I've I've been trying to do this to to do that because I I as after I I I stopped focusing on the tools and offering more services. Basically, I. Yeah, started to do more more of the service sales and started to find people. Um, and I, right now, I'm actually fully booked for the. I just signed a new one, uh, literally yesterday, and I'm like fully booked for the next couple of months, probably. Um, 
so yeah it's it's um it's a thing that i i've been considering how do i scale and uh, one thing i i'm kind of reluctant is hiring people as, as like an agency i don't really feel like like managing people and really resonate with what you said earlier uh i think on on one of your um your podcast or was it this recording that you had a few weeks back with these free agents uh free individuals freelancers kind of working together um and i've been contemplating on that and uh, trying to figure out some way for me to scale without hiring and uh, somebody from my from my connections called this I, i actually mentioned it on linkedin and Somebody said this would be like a cooperative, which is apparently a thing. Um, I was thinking more like a franchise. I would give my my tools and know-how um, to a bunch of people who are doing the same thing and in the same model, like the same cost savings model and the same kind of work that I do. So I would train them exactly what I and, do. And, and, and charge a percentage get, of that, yeah. Get a percentage, yeah. Um, but that's kind of what I've been thinking. But uh, it's either so far you basically have you basically have two options here. Since you don't want employees, and I, you know, I totally agree with that. Uh, you have the option of going the franchise model, or you have the option of you being the source of sales. So you become I, because because you have you have both the technical skills, but you also you also have the reputation that allows you to get clients. So not everybody can claim to also have uh, uh, like a popular open source project uh, for cost savings and to have worked at AWS. There's like a lot of things uh, you can use that are part of your reputation to close sales where where other people who maybe have the same skills can't. So one option is, you know, every... um, Every branch does their own sales and they do their own thing. The other option, which I think is much easier, is you find people who are technically skilled but can't sell shit. And then mm-hmm. you do the sales, yeah. they do the work, and 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 you get and you get a much bigger uh, piece of the pie. And but everybody's happy. Yeah, it was it was the thought was to do, to do both. So both the franchise that would also include the projects. So they would get. Um, Mm-hmm. They would get projects, tools, and know-how in exchange for a cut of the of their revenue, um, and being part of the network and getting more more of these over time. Yeah, that was kind of what I've been thinking. But yeah, so far I am just at capacity, so my sales hasn't really got to the point where I I actually need more people. But well, I that, totally it, see it, that. it goes the other way around, right? You first need to offload some of what you're already doing uh, so yeah. that you can free up yourself to work on the business and not in the business. And then you can scale because otherwise you are, you, you, you basically are a consultant maxed out and paid for, for your time. Mm. You have a little more yeah, leverage okay. than usual because you don't get paid for hours or days, but you still, you still have a limited, um, a limited capacity. That's actually a fair point. So I, I actually should should find help. 
before you have okay. more capacity because you won't be able to increase your capacity because you need to sell more and you're you don't have time to do that so you actually need to offload right. that and lose some revenue doing that obviously so that you mm -hmm. can grow you can yeah actually that's that's a, a great great insight i've been actually thinking to like okay I, i'm now at capacity and if i get more project in the meantime i will get more people to to help me yeah um, but then if i if i spend more time trying to do sales and find customers i'd actually force i mean i would i would have this happen earlier yeah exactly all right yeah cool, cool. perfect well very happy to finally meet you. This was awesome. Uh, like I've been, we've been uh, following each other on Twitter for such a long time, and we tried to get together a few times, and you know, time and schedule yeah. was always difficult. But uh, I'm also happy, happy about it. Awesome. So yeah, thank you, thank you, Eli. Thank you. All right, I'll see you online. Bye bye. Yeah, thanks you too. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to be a guest on the show and talk through the problems you're facing with your business, you can send me a message on Twitter at Finer Ellie. My DMs are always open.